0: Pastors in Cuba don't get any retirement. When they retire, they're broke, you know? So here's the thing, we're building a house for them to live in, where they can serve throughout their life to 68 or 78, and when they retire with their wives, they're given a place to live where they can be comfortable and be loved for the work that they've done for the Lord. Amen? That's being, poss- that's being made possible by what you do. And this week, uh, we were talking, and this, this phrase came up. Well, you know i only have a normal amount of anxiety now what is a normal amount of anxiety we got into a big discussion on this what is a normal amount of anxiety i said well you know what anxiety is nothing more than doubting who god is and what god can do because anxiety comes from fear fear comes from unbelief and you're thinking now pastor that's too hard that's too am i being too hard on you i'm sorry i didn't mean to but here's the thing i really do believe that when i have anxiety when I worry about my health or I worry about the bills or whatever, okay, that is just plain unbelief. I I'm know i not believing that God can take care of me. I'm not believing that God is God and he is the Lord of heaven. Now, it's normal for us to worry. But here's the thing. When you start worrying, am I ever going to get a wife? Am I ever going to get a decent job? Can I ever afford a Jaguar? The question is no, no, no. Never mind. No, it's okay. Here's the thing. When you start thinking that way, to have that moment of doubt is fine. But when you dwell on it, and we were talking about this, days, weeks, and months, then there's some serious unbelief in there, some serious unbelief. So having talked about that, having thought about this normal anxiety, I want to ask you a question. I want you to write it down somewhere. What do I worry about? What am I anxious about throughout the day? Am I worried about my health? As Some of us get older. I'm 49 now. Next year is 50. I get the big examination next year. They check every part of you and make sure everything still works. And I really don't want to know what stopped working years ago, but that's okay. Here's the thing. As you get older, you start to worry about your health. And as you get close to retirement, you worry about your retirement, right? You worry you're going to have enough. You worry about all these things that are going on around you, but where's God in the midst of your worry? Now, having heard that discussion from adult people who are going through this situation, this is what happened. I came to our study. The journey home is where we are. The journey home part four the honor roll of the amazingly ordinary. I want you to understand this is you. This is you. If someone says, describe yourself, I want you to say this, I am amazingly ordinary. Now that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Because amazing is celebrity, you know, superstar status and ordinary is the rest of us, no. In being ordinary people you are already amazing because you are the ones that God chooses to use in this ministry God does not use superstars you know I love it when football players and basketball players and musicians go yes and I want to thank Jesus Christ for everything that happened and getting this award and I want to thank my 17 wives and and all the people I stole money from you know I, I don't get that I don't get watching the MTV music awards and these people live lives that are horrible And what's the first thing they say? I want to thank Jesus for this. How are you thanking Jesus living a life like that? I don't get that. But ordinary people are the ones that God chooses to use. Okay, we are in Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, the whole chapter of Nehemiah is what we're looking at today. The whole chapter of Nehemiah. That's why there's no verses. But I want to read selective verses. I encourage you. I encourage you. Please open up the book of Nehemiah. Read all of chapter 3. Now, the thing is this, there are some repetitious things in, in Nehemiah, so I'm going to kind of skip the repetition and go to some of the key verses. Okay, let's look at this, Nehemiah chapter 3, I'm going to read simply verses 1 through 13 first, and then I'm going to preach a couple, little bit on that, then I'm going to pick up a couple of verses at the end. But I encourage you to look at the whole book, but there's some repetition. Okay, this is Nehemiah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Eliashev the high priest and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. They dedicated it and installed its doors. After building the walls of the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel, they dedicated it. The men of Jericho built next to Eliashev and next to them, Zakur, son of Imri, built. Now the sons of Hasanaah built the fish gate. They built it with beams and installed its doors Bolts and bars. Next to them, Baramoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, made repairs. Beside them, Michalim of Berchiah, son of Michalzabel. Don't ever name your children these names. By the way, <laughs> don't do, don't name, don't name your children these names. They're horrible names. Made repairs. Now next to them, Zadok, son of Bana, made repairs. Beside them. The Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not lift a finger to help. Now skip down to verse 8. After him, Uzel, son of Harhiah, the goldsmith, made repairs. And next to him, Hananai, son of the perfumer, made repairs. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Raphaah, son of her ruled over half the district of Jerusalem, he made repairs. After them, Jedidiah, son of Harumph, made repairs across from his house. And next to him, Hatsus, son of Hashabnah, made repairs. Malchijah, son of this there's so much I love you guys, I'm reading this. Son of Hashub, son of Pahath Moab made repairs to another section as well as to the tower of the ovens. Beside them, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler over half of the district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his daughters. Now, Hanun and the inhabitants of Zanath repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and installed its doors, bolts, and bars, and repaired 500 yards of the wall to the dung gate. Now that is the word of God. Amen? All right, let's take a look at this. We're going to come back and read a little more later, but that's where I want to get started with. Notice who all these people were. You're thinking, well, pastor, couldn't we skip this section? Couldn't we just go past all these pointless names and the repairs they did? You know what happens? A lot of pastors, when they get to Nehemiah 3, they skip it. But when you skip something in the word of God, people listen to me when you skip something in the word of god you're going to miss something that speaks right to you you're going to miss the point now take a look at this nehemiah 3 beginning to start the work is overwhelming nehemiah has rallied the people together he's got them going and these people have been in despair they've been attacked their walls have been beaten down their gates have been burned down they have despair. They believe there's no way to save the city. And here comes this cupbearer, this official, not a priest, not a warrior, but a bureaucrat shows up. He says, we need to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. We need to make this place safe to live in again. Who's with me? And they go, yay. You know, they're kind of not really enthusiastic. The work was overwhelming. Look what it says. Verse 13, Hanun and the inhabitants of Zanoah repaired the valley gate. Now, look at what they did. They rebuilt it, so they rebuilt the frame. They installed its door. Now, they had to go out and get very expensive parts. They had to get bolts and bars. But they didn't stop there. They didn't stop with the gate. They repaired 500 yards to the wall of the dung gate. Now, what's interesting is Jerusalem had 10 gates at that time. It had 10 gates. And you're going to get a list of all these gates. What's interesting to me is... They only repaired six of the gates in Jerusalem. Now it says here in the scriptures, they repaired the sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate, that's where guys like me would go in, the valley gate, the refuse or dung gate, and the fountain gate. But they ignored the four most important gates in the city. Why? Because the muster gate where the military went in and out, the east gate, the principal gate of the city, the horse gate where they brought in all the horses and all the caravans, and the water gate where the water flowed in and out They didn't repair them, why? Because they weren't damaged, why? Because these are the four most important gates in the city. Let me ask you a question. What's the most important things in your life? The most important things in your life is usually not where Satan attacks. Satan usually attacks at the back door. He attacks at something that you don't put a priority on, something you don't make most important. Here's the thing, in churches across America today, There are pastors standing up, and they're blabbing on for hour after hour, and they're preaching these sermons. And a lot of them are making statements that are wrong. But they're not saying Jesus isn't Lord. You know why? Because if I said Jesus ain't Lord, Jesus is a man, what would you say? Liar, heretic, you know, get a noose, get a stake, let's burn him at the stake. That's what you'd say, and you should. If I steps in this pulpit and says Jesus isn't Lord, you burn the brother at the stake. Okay? Do that for me. But they're going to get in there and say, well, Jesus was on earth. And I've heard this. I've heard this in sermons. Jesus really didn't know everything. What? Excuse me? Where? (laughs) Jesus really wasn't fully God. He was only a a spirit of God. He didn't have all that power, really. He didn't really know everything. He wasn't really even part of the God consciousness because he had to pray. That's a lie from the devil, y'all. Jesus was fully 100% God, 100% man. You know how I know that? At 12 years of age, where is Jesus? Sitting in the temple. What's he doing? Playing marbles? No. He is conversing with the scribes and the priests. He's talking about deep theology with them, and they're astounded at how smart this kid is. This son of a carpenter from the backwater of nowhere, this kid from Clayton, this kid knows more than them. How is that possible unless he is God in the flesh? Don't let anyone lie to you and tell you Jesus isn't God. That brother's lying. You see, that's how the devil gets to you. He gets to you through a back door. Now, here's the thing. Many of you people have little areas in your life, little things that you think are not really important. But look at this. They repaired the wall up to the dung gate. You know what the dung gate was? That's where all the garbage... All the stuff from the horses and the sheep and everything else that was laying in the street, they would scoop it all up and they would shovel it out the dung or the refuse gate. It was a filthy gate. It was not the kind of place you want to hang around. Why why was the dung gate attacked? Why was it beaten up? Why? Because it wasn't of such importance that it was being watched. You see, guys, in your life, you have to watch all the aspects of your life. Don't just protect your marriage. Protect everything around you, protect your integrity, protect your thoughts, protect your gossip, protect your backstabbing, protect all those things, protect your greed. Greed will get you when nothing else will. That that, that desire to have a little bit more, to give a little bit more to your family, that desire to be a little more important, to have a little more security, that will kill you. That's your dung gate. What is your dungate today? What is the thing that you absolutely have not protected from the devil's lies? Success is one of the things that brings down most pastors, most preachers, most teachers, and most Christians. We don't protect ourselves from the pride of life and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Because we don't do that instead of coming through the muster gate where the military was, instead of coming through the main door where the guards were, instead of coming to the front of the whole city, he went through a back gate. The dung Gate was at the very bottom of Jerusalem. As Jerusalem sat on that hill, Mount Moriah. It's at the bottom. It's a low gate because they would just shove it all out and out it would go. It was not a very important gate. Not somewhere guards would stand, but that's what the, one of the gates they burned down. Look what it takes to rebuild it. They rebuilt it. That means they re-put the frame. Anybody here ever frame a house? You ever frame a door? Not easy. You know why? You don't frame the door right. What happens to the door? It don't stay closed. If you don't frame a door correctly, now Ray can tell you this, so can Rich. You don't frame a door correctly, it doesn't close right. If it doesn't close right, you can't lock it and protect yourself. Never leave a door open for the devil. Let me tell you something the scripture says. It says, be careful that no bitter root takes place in your life. All of us have had things in our life to make us bitter, haven't we? You say, well, when I was 11 years old, they wouldn't play marbles with me. I'm never going to talk to those people again. to hold your breath until you die. You know what? They don't care that you're holding your breath. That's 60 years ago. Let it go. Whatever happened to you 60, if something happened to any of y'all 60 years ago, well, you weren't alive 60 years ago, so don't worry about it. Whatever happened to you last year, cut it loose. Let go of it. Because if you hang on to it, it's going to form a bitter root. And you know what a plant does, right? A plant starts off with a little bitty tiny tap root. And the tap root goes down, 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 down. And the deeper it goes, the stronger the plant, right? Just say amen. I know y'all put in plants. I've seen y'all's houses. The deeper the root, the harder to pull that thing up. I used to pull up these, we call them Godzilla plants in, in Montana. I mean, these things would be this tall on the top and that tall on the bottom. You had to tear up half your yard to get the thing out. It was... You know, it was terrible. That's what bitterness is like in your life. Every day that you don't attend to bitterness, it goes deeper and deeper. Jealousy, envy, greed, desire, lust for some of you unmarried men. All those things will get into your life and they will go deeper and deeper. Here's the thing. Many marriages are destroyed because men never rip out the plant of lust before they get married. And that root goes so deep, it's hard to get that thing out. That's the dung gate, the gate that nobody watches. That's the thing that nobody attends to. But look what they did. They had to reframe it. Okay, once the frame was level and solid. Now, this is a gate. This is to stand up to an army. So they had to build this thing solid. They had to hang its doors. Good. The doors are hung and they're solid. They open and close. Now you need bolts and bars. Why do you need bars on a gate? To keep somebody from coming in, right? Have you put bars on the doors of your life? Have you put bars on your marriage, bars on your family, bars on your work, bars on your heart so that you don't allow anything to sneak into your city? Why did they burn only six of the gates in Jerusalem, not the whole 10? Because the people who were attacking the city, they needed the front four gates to make it look good. You ever look at someone from the outside and think how beautiful they are? and you flip around to the back side of the city and it's all busted down walls and and burned doors, that's how many people are. That's how celebrities are. You look at them in the celebrity magazines, I know you read those magazines, I know you do, and you look at, oh they're so pretty and they're so skinny and they have these million dollar houses and, and they have these cars and I want that kind of jewelry and that kind of bag and that kind of dress. No, you don't. You don't want all the trash that goes with living like that because behind the scenes, They're a bigger bigger nightmare than you are. They are so messed up in the head because of trying to maintain all this outside stuff. If you go on verse 11, Malchijah son of Hiram and Hashub son of Pathoth, yeah, Moab, made repairs to another section as well as to the tower of the ovens. Now the towers were the strong places. You could look out, you could shoot down, you could do all those things. Here's the thing. The towers reinforce the walls, and the walls reinforce the gates. Is there something in your life that's not upright? We had this discussion earlier in the week, too. How was your quiet time this week? How much time every day did you spend with the Lord? Now, many of you have the daily bread. It takes you all of a minute and a half to read it right. You get one verse, and then you get six, seven sentences of somebody's opinion about the verse. And you read that and go, okay, daily, daily bread's over. I'm good. Don't need it for the rest of the day. Is that true? Is that all we need of God's word is two minutes in the morning while we're sitting on the bathroom pot? You know, is that all we need? I don't think so. Because sometimes when I when I open up that daily bread thing, I go, wait a minute, that verse is not enough for me to understand what's going on. I need to go open my Bible, read verses before it and verses after it to understand it, then I know what it's talking about. Guys, if you ever get a verse given to you, someone says, oh, read this verse, go Go 10 verses before and 10 verses after, then you can figure out what he's talking about. It's easy to pull a verse out of context, and a verse out of context will not protect you from the devil's lies. It's not enough. You need a solid door, a solid understanding. So I'm telling you right now, right now, the work of rebuilding our lives is overwhelming, but it starts in the gates. You need to rebuild the gates of your life. You need to rebuild that stronghold that says to the enemy, you're not going to come in here. You're not going to tempt me with money. You're not going to tempt me with this to success. You're not going to tempt me with things. I already have a 6,000 square foot house. I don't need an 8,000 square foot house. I already have seven cars. I don't need eight. That's the way you need to be in protecting your life and your mind and your heart. And you know what? If you don't do it, the enemy is going to walk in your burned up gates and walk out and the enemy's gonna walk in and do anything he wants to do to you because you don't have the walls and the gates and the towers in place. These were, Malchijah, who is Malchijah? Is he ever mentioned again in the word of God? He was not a prophet, he was not a priest, he was not a great soldier, he was not a king, he was nobody except a faithful man of God. Remember, a faithful man of God Who does not have position or title is the thing Satan fears most. An ordinary woman of God who is neither a movie star nor a rock star. An ordinary woman of God who does not have wealth, power, or standing is the most terrifying thing to Satan because that's the one thing he can't manipulate. An extraordinary, ordinary person. Let's press on. Nehemiah 3 not only is the work overwhelming, but the workers are diverse. Let's go back to what we read earlier. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. Okay, that's a very important gate. Sheep was a huge commerce factor, so sheep came in and out, and sheep herds are very large. It was easy for a man to get low among the herds and sneak in unseen in the midst of all those sheep. So an enemy could sneak in, they needed to rebuild this gate. They needed to pay attention to it. So they rebuilt the Sheep Gate, and what did they do to it? They dedicated it to the Lord and installed its doors after building the wall of the Tower of the Hundred and the wall of Hananel. They dedicated it. Have you ever dedicated your home to the Lord? Let me explain to you what I mean. My wife and I moved into an apartment right after we got married. Not before, but after we got married. We bought an apartment. Okay, just so you know. We went in there, and that home had been owned by a Buddhist. And on the walls was all the Buddhist nonsense that goes along with being a Buddhist. Here's the thing. I ripped down all the little stickers and threw off the junk. When you do that, you really tick off the devil. We got attacked right after we moved in. We, we, you, we saw visions. We had attacks in the night. You know what we didn't do? And, and one lady came lady or a guy from the church came over and says, Well, did you dedicate your house? I went... What? As you know, as an American, I never heard of dedicating your house. We took oil, we prayed over every room, prayed over every window, prayed over every door in that house, and my wife and I said, Lord, this is your door. Only let something come through this door that honors you. Lord, this window lets in light, do not let it let in unholy spirits. My daughter can tell you, every night when we pray, when she was a little girl, every night we had the same prayer. Lord, put your angels at the doors and windows of this house that nothing enters it that does not give you glory. My daughter prayed that prayer with me every night for about the first 10 years of her life. Now we pray for other things and other people because she already knows that she can pray for doors and windows. Here's the thing. Have you ever dedicated your home? Lord, let no word be said in my house that does not glorify you. Lord, let no activity happen in my house. That means get rid of the poker game, you know, stop watching football and cursing and swearing at the other team. All that stuff that happens in our houses. Get it out of the house. See, when the priests rebuilt, they rebuilt it unto the Lord. You need to build your marriage unto the Lord. You need to build your family unto the Lord. If you've got a house, it needs to be a house unto the glorification and the deification of Jesus Christ. So that if you're going to have a Bible study, understand, you have a Bible study in your house, Satan is going to pull a shotgun and come after you, because he does not want you to glorify him. If you're going to have a home meeting in your house, Satan's going to come after you. If you're going to bring your family to the Lord, Satan's going to come after you. The priest said, you know what, the enemy is not going to come in this gate. We've rebuilt it, we've reframed it, we put up the doors, here's the bars, here's the iron pins, and they blessed it unto the Lord that God would keep that gate secure. Gentlemen, I charge this to you. My wife will tell you. Sometimes she'll feel uneasy. She'll say, something's not right. She'll say, pray over the house. And I will. I'll go through the house, and I'll pray over the rooms. I'll pray over my daughter's room. I'll pray through the hallway. I'll pray through the front door. Pray over the back door. And I will pray that that house is secure against the work of the devil. Well, usually I pray against thieves, rapists, murderers, and tax collectors. But that's okay. (laughs) Hey, sometimes I have. Now... um, but seriously, I will pray that house under God's protection. And when we do that, when we dedicate that, we're good. Now the devil's going to come back and try it again later. So that's why once dedicated is not enough. You need to continually rededicate your home, your marriage, your family to the Lord. That's so important. That's what the priests did when they rededicated these walls. If you go on into verse 8, it says this. After him, Uzdel, son of Harhiah, the goldsmith, Wait a minute. What does a goldsmith know about laying bricks? I don't know. He made repairs and next to him had a nice son of the perfumer. Okay, this guy takes oil and squeezes it into a bottle and makes stinky stuff, you know. He was out there working. Interesting. He made repairs. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall next to them. Raphaiah, son of her, ruler over half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. And then down at 12... Beside him, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of the other half of the district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his what? Daughters. This is, this is, you don't get this. When Jewish men read this, they cringe. Because women are princesses. Ladies, y'all better say something. I have no faith in you now. Okay. In that day, a woman did nothing but give birth and cook. Well, and clean. Okay, and laundry, and everything else. Women did not build. This man so believed in what God was doing, he brought his daughters to the wall and said, Sweetheart, put on your Calvin Klein gloves with a, with a, little, with a little chinchilla interior and stack up the bricks, baby. Get to work. Why? Because every man and woman and child has a right to be involved in God's work. This was a goldsmith. He knew about how to melt metals. What was he doing building a wall? I don't know. I wasn't there. He was known to be a goldsmith. This guy was known to be the son of of a perfumer. Perfume was always very expensive. This brother was rich. He didn't need it. The other two guys, over half the district of Jerusalem, these men had power. They had authority. They could hire others to do their work. What does that mean? Nobody is above doing the Lord's work. I was reading in John MacArthur this week, his description of pastoral ministry. Great book. I hadn't had a chance to read it yet. He says, it is not the pastor's job to do everything in the church. And I say, amen, I got to read this in church. He said, it's the pastor's job to kick everybody else in the behind until they're doing the work. I said, I got to read this in church. This is good. So (laughs) I got Lenny reading the book too, so it's all good. Here's the thing. It's all of our privilege to be involved in what God is doing in building the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? We call it building the kingdom. They were rebuilding the walls of the kingdom of the city of David. They were rebuilding. Physical. We build spiritual walls. Like I said, this guy, Ken, this morning, came walking by outside, and we had brought stuff in, and we were getting set up. And he walked by, and I said, I said, brother, you okay? He says, yeah, I'm just waiting to go to work. I said, really? And so we started talking, and he's homeless, and he... um. He's been living on the streets, and he, he went out twice this week. He found a food card from North Carolina State University, somebody's you know, uh, food card, and he was trying to return it to him, and, and the first he couldn't find him, and he went back a second time, and he gave it to the guy, and uh, the guy said, hey, thank you so much, appreciate that. He said, well, you know what I really appreciate is some water. He says, well, I don't really have any water, but here's a cigarette, thanks, and walked off. That's where you want to be there, and you just want to Hit the kid in the head. What are you doing? Giving a homeless guy a cigarette. But the guy says, even though that was disappointing, right after that, God blessed him, sent a person right in his pathway, and said, hey, you need a job? He said, yes, I do. He says, I'll pick you up at 1130 today. So he's going to work right now. I told him, hey, if you need something to eat, you come on in here at noon. If You want to hear God's word? You come on in here at 1030. You'll be more than welcome to come into the house of God and hear the word. He said, okay, I might come back. So Ken may come back next week, and that's a good thing. Amen? Here's the thing. We can all be involved in this work. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to explain Jesus. Give him your testimony. Tell him how you got saved. That's how we build the kingdom. What does it say in the scriptures? It says, Paul plants, Apollos waters. Who births people into the kingdom? Holy Spirit. No pastor has ever saved anybody. You understand that? You ever see a pastor say, I have led 100 people to Jesus. Just say, brother, can we check your theology for a minute? You haven't done anything. You planted and you watered, and the Holy Spirit popped the baby out. You're a midwife. You didn't do any of the work. Okay? For those of you who are nurses, you should appreciate being midwives. It's a Great job. Here's the thing. You look at these ordinary people, just ordinary men and women, daughters brought to the work of the kingdom. Let me ask you. Have you guys trained your children to be evangelists? Have you you trained your children to consider the fact that God might be calling them into ministry? You know, we have a seminary nearby. That's where Lenny and Kat go. Seminaries are for getting your, your master's and your PhD. Did you know that as North Carolina Baptists, we have a Bible school here in North Carolina It's called Fruitland Bible Institute? I'm sorry, we need to change that name. It's really bad. Fruitland Bible Institute. Now, here's the thing. This is for people called to ministry who cannot afford to go to college or seminary. What, how much does it cost to go to a uh, community college? We were listening to the speech by this guy. He said it takes about $48 a credit hour to go to a community college. 48 bucks an hour, that's not too bad. That's not much more than it was when I went to school. You know how much it costs to go to Fruitland Bible Institute? $24 per credit hour. If we raised up somebody in this church who had a sincere desire to follow the Lord in the ministry, and we believed in them, we could recommend them to this Bible Institute. It's over in the West somewhere, over there by Tennessee or something, that way. Anyways, we could recommend that they could go and for $24 per hour, they could get a Bible degree that would equip them to be a pastor, and that we could then place them into pastoral ministry in North Carolina. We are planting hundreds of churches every year in North Carolina and around the country. Here's the thing. This church in Clayton, I'm going to call it the church in Clayton, because I'm going to claim in Jesus' name, he's going to plant a church out there. That, that church is going to need a pastor someday. Amen? Y'all better say some. Yes. Say amen. Okay. It's good, because here's the thing. We shouldn't have to go out and get a pastor. We should be raising pastors in the church. We should be raising up and educating people to follow the calling of God into ministry. I talked to Brother Kent Tan about this, and Brother Kent said, I agree. The church should be building pastors. So we shouldn't just be building walls. We should be teaching our sons and our daughters to be the leaders of the next generation who will go forward and do that. Amen? Okay, let's finish this thing up today. Nehemiah chapter 3. Not only is the work overwhelming, not only are the workers very diverse, but the workers are spread out for a reason. Are spread out for a reason. Take a look at verses 23 and 24. We'll go back a little bit here, 23 and 24. Actually, I'll start up at 22. I'll start in 22. And next to him, the priests from the surrounding area made repairs. After them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs opposite their houses. Now notice that phrase. They made the repairs to the wall opposite their houses. Beside them, Azirah, son of Maasa son of, oh boy, Anaiah, made repairs beside his house. After him, Benai, son of, oh, Henadad. Made repairs to another section from the house of Azariah, Azara, to the angle, to the corner. Interesting. Where were they working? Were they going to the other side of Jerusalem to work? Were they they going to one area and doing just work in the one area? No. Where were they working? Across from their house. When Jesus sends us out, where does he send us? Does he say, if you want to serve the Lord, you have to go to a foreign country? Does he say that in the scriptures? No. Does he say you have to go 500 miles from home to serve Jesus? No. Does he say that if we want to serve Christ here, we have to go to Cuba or the Philippines or Africa or somewhere really God forsaken like California? Does he say that? No. I used to live in California, I know. Anyways, he says, go to your what? What? Jerusalem What's amazing to me is nobody gets the joke when he says in Acts Jerusalem Judea Samaria Nobody gets the joke because in Hebrew history in the history of the Israelites they knew that when they came back Before they could do anything with the country. What did they have to rebuild? What was the first thing they rebuilt? temple temple was the first thing they reestablished worship remember so you got Zerubbabel going in and they rebuild the temple. Then 80 some years later, here comes um, Yeah, the priest. Ezra the priest. And the priest comes in and he restores proper, uh, proper living condition for the people. You know, get rid of those pagan wives, get rid of those pagan altars, clean up the city. Then here we go, some some eight, eight, ten years later, here comes Nehemiah and he's going to finish the job. The king's been lied to, the king stops construction. He says, oh, no, king, we need to get this done right. The king says, go ahead, get it done. Now he's going to come back. He's going to finish building the walls. He's going to finish the gates. He's going to make the city safe. And from Jerusalem, there will be a purification that will spread throughout the country. If we want to really make an impact in our world, it needs to begin with the wall across the street from us. Who lives across from you guys? Do you know the names of your neighbors? My neighbors are never home. Actually, I've seen them occasionally running out the door in the morning. You know. But do you know the people around you, the people in the houses around you, do you know who they are? Maybe not. But you know what? When I, go, I told you this last week. When I go walking through my neighborhood, I'm praying for those houses. I'm praying for those families. I'm praying for those people I'm praying for peace and safety in our neighborhood. I'm praying for security in our city I'm praying for God to do a work and bring revival to Raleigh, North Carolina because this is my Jerusalem This is the place I am planted to do a work not just at GGCF here But anywhere the GGCF can touch We are spread out to the four winds you guys if each of us began to pray for our communities our, our 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 neighbors our neighborhoods we could be a huge influence for jesus christ i mean you meet some guy in the street and he takes two minutes to tell you a story the first thing i did with ken when ken walked up and he told me what was happening i said i said ken can i pray for you and i just started praying i didn't give a chance to answer i just started praying for the brother and we prayed for a few minutes and he said thank you and i said well, you come back I said, if you need us we're here We have lunch at 12. We have preaching at 10.30. You come on back here. And you know what? If I see Ken again, I'll go catch him. Hey, Ken, how was that day at work? How'd it go? Did it go good? Good. Someone says, can you come to Clayton to start a church? Your typical Southern Baptist pastor, being a lazy fat slob, will say, well, no, why don't you come to the church? This is where I am. No. This is my Jerusalem. Clayton's my Judea. So I'm going to take Clayton for Jesus Christ. You better say something Amen. Can you take your city for Jesus Christ? Can you take Cary for the Lord? Can you? Can you take Chapel Hill for Jesus Christ? Can you take Wake Forest for the Lord? And you think to yourself, but I can't do that. I'm not a pastor. Yes, but you're a goldsmith. You're the son of a perfumer. And you're a woman. That's how God rebuilt the walls. Not just with warriors and priests, but with people, with families, with those who would listen to it and they began opposite their houses and beside their houses, and they worked with their neighbors to rebuild whole sections of the wall. That means that if you read the whole passage, it says this guy built from here to here, and this guy built from there to here, and these guys built from there to there. It's interesting. We don't want to work on the strong places. We want to work on the weak places. We want to build them up. It begins in our hearts, getting ourselves right with the Lord. It begins in our marriage, Marriages, if you have them. If you don't have them, hang on, you'll get there. It begins in our families, in our church, workplaces, everywhere that we touch. Rebuilding this city is going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be worth it because when we get to the end of Nehemiah and you see the result, you see what happens. Safety, security, all returns to the city because the whole city has put themselves into rebuilding it. And because they have, they're going to take care of it DGCF is just starting. It's just beginning to grow. And like, like one brother said last week at the picnic, I think it was at the picnic. yeah. Even though we're not the biggest church in Raleigh, we need to be the most known church in Raleigh, North Carolina. People need to know that if they want to be prayed for, they can come here or we can go there. They need to know that there's a place where the Word of God is preached without alteration, without change, without abbreviation. They need to know that there are men and women of integrity who can go ahead and speak the name of Jesus with authority, authority given to them by the word of God. That's what they need. So I'm asking you, are you ready to work? Are you ready to work? Take a look at it. You can only see the work that the Lord puts before you. That's why some of these guys only worked on the wall in front of their house. You can only see whatever God gives you. Yeah, the priests were drawn to the sheep gate. The priests went down there and they rebuilt it and they rebuilt the two towers and they prayed for it and dedicated it. That's what priests do. But whether you're a goldsmith, or a perfumer, or a girl, or anybody else, you can always do the work where you are, where you live, opposite your house. Do you see your task? Right now, if I were to ask you, right now, if you go home today, where is your task? What is your work? What is it that you need to do? Can you see it? We're almost done with the bylaws. Bylaws are done, we need deacons. After we need deacons, actually before we need deacons, I needed to get an email back from some of y'all. So I sent out an email. Did everybody get it? It said, we, have, we, have, we now have the books necessary to begin putting all of our home Bible studies on the same book, same page. Y'all said you wanted it, so I went out and got it. I need an accurate count from you leaders. You need to tell me, pastor, I need 10 books or 12 books or 14 books. Some people said, well, a husband and wife can share. That's fine. Others may want their own book. They may want to do their own study. Whatever happens, I need those numbers so that I can supply you the books so that we can start having consistent Bible study across the church where everybody is studying the same thing at the same time so that we can begin to grow in our knowledge of who our God is and what he desires. See, my task as pastor is to mobilize the church and to train the church and to equip the church and to correct the church and to do all those great things that pastors get to do. Do you see your task? I see my task. I'm ready to jump on with both feet. Do you see your task? Do you know what you're called to do? Second, it took everything, everything from priests and perfumers to girls and goldsmiths to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. What does GGCF need to accomplish the same task? What do we need if we're going to accomplish the task of preparing GGCF? to be ready to respond at any given time. I gave Brother Jojo a challenge. I said, Brother Jojo, you're a talented man. He said, yes I am. I said, you're good looking too. He said, yes I am. I said, how do you know that? He says, my wife tells me. So it's all good. Anyways, so I told Jojo, hey, great dramas we had at our retreat, amen? Great dramas. I said, do you think you could get people who would volunteer to learn those dramas and prepare a drama ministry so that if another church says, can you send your drama team over here and do a drama for our youth group? We can, in a couple of weeks, pull those dramas back together, send them out and do a ministry in another church. He said, yes, we're going to do that. Maybe we need to get our, our worship team locked up and rock solid so that if another church says, hey, can you come lead worship for us? i say, I've got just the people for you, and we'll send them right over in two or three weeks' time. What do we need to do ministry? We need everything. You say, but I can't sing. Neither can I. You say, I can't play an instrument. Neither can I, but I try anyways. Maybe you can say, I am interested in drama. Maybe I can help draw posters. Maybe I can help make phone calls. Maybe I can contact people. We sent out some 19 emails after Picnic Pinoy, and we still got a stack of cards like that that either can't read it or we're kind of trying to read it or we've got to send out some cards. It'd be nice to have a couple people that say, you know what? I want to be contact people. When you get people like that, give them to me, pastor, and I'll make sure that we hunt them down. We'll get cards. We'll get emails out. We'll notify people what's going on. We need everybody. We need guitar players. And we need people who can greet people at the back door. We need people who can come in and say, you know, I'm willing to learn how to work with kids. Because as soon as Brother Ken gets ready, we're going to start having discipleship at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning here in the church. He's going to lead a class and I'm going to lead a class. And we're going to start preparing God's people to be effective ministers of the gospel. And we need people that we can train to do that work and pass that work along so we can start other work. See, because the home leaders, people that God calls to be home leaders, you need to be meeting with me once a month to go over the lessons because you're gonna teach them there because I gotta to go to Clayton and start a church, amen? That's the amazing thing about the church. We all do what we can do so that everybody else can do what they can do. Maybe we can't all make PowerPoints, but maybe we can all greet people and we can all serve. So I, I ask you, what do you need to do to help GGCF become the church that totally affects and infects Raleigh, North Carolina? You know the difference, right? When you affect somebody it lasts for a little bit when you infect somebody it just grows and it's contagious and it spreads i want to be the most communicably disease oriented church in this whole area anyone that touches us i want them to get on fire for jesus christ not like an ebola thing nothing like that but just seriously i want people to be affected by our love for jesus christ to be infected by our desire to serve the lord by serving the homeless by helping kids that's what i want Did you know we have a new medical van, medical dental van? SBC has a medical dental van. I can rent it for a day, and we can park it right out here. All I need is two dentists that will come serve on that van for free, and we can treat two people at a time all day long and through the night. I'm finding out that we have amazing, you know we have a shower van? We can bring a shower van over here. We can hook it up and give free hot showers and free laundry facilities and food to those homeless who want to come in here and get a hot shower and a haircut and clean them up. We can do this ministry, but it's going to take, I can't cut hair. You don't want me to cut hair. It'd be like this. I know my limitations. Okay. I'm limited to just being loud and attractive. Anyways, third point and I'm done. The hardest repairs to make are the ones to relationships, especially with our Lord. My challenge to you this week is go home and say, you know what, Lord, this week, I'm going to give 15 minutes to you every morning and I want you to shape me. Me and Lenny heard of this statement. It says, prayer changes God. And both of us said, no, it don't. Prayer does not change God. I dare you to find anything different in the Bible. Prayer changes us so that we are in accord with what God's already doing. God's going to do what God's going to do, sweetheart. You can either be part of it, or you can get aside and let God go right on down the road. The truth is, we pray that God might change us, use us, put us... Look at everybody in the New Testament. The Spirit of the Lord moved them here, moved them there, put a vision on them. The prayer is to make us open to what God wants to do with us. That's important, amen? Amen. So those are your charges today. You be those people. You you do that work. You become that teachable person, and GGCF will be an unstoppable force to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that right now you are working in each of our hearts. Father, you have convicted each of us of, of the ways that we have strayed. And Father God, I myself have to confess that I have not been attentive. I have been tired. I have allowed myself to become low in energy. And Lord, I have allowed myself to, to, to be inattentive to the things I need to do. And so Father, forgive me for not being the very best pastor I could be. But Father God, each of us confesses today that we have fallen down on the way. We have, allowed, um, we have allowed jealousy to enter our marriages. We have allowed neglect to enter our marriages. We have allowed selfishness to enter our marriages, and because it has, Lord, we are not all we should be. Father God, in our Bible studies, we have, we have put aside the time to study, and we've made it a time of fellowship, and God, help us return to the task, return to the task of diving into the Word, feasting on the Word, eating on the Word, and just being consumed, Lord, by that amazing experience. And God, I would pray that right now, you are showing each of us where we need to step up to the wall. Father God, and to begin to replace the wall. Father God, there might be doors in our life. Father, there's doors of jealousy or doors of envy, uh, doors of fear, uh, doors of insecurity. There's there's doors, Lord, of greed. We want to go further in our business. We want to get more respect. We want to have people uh, look up to us. And Father God, these are all things that you've not called us to be. Father God, make us your people. Help us to see ourselves as extraordinarily ordinary, amazingly ordinary. And because we are ordinary, Father, you desire like the goldsmith and the perfumer to put us to work on the critical work of the wall, rebuilding the wall, protecting your people, creating a safe sanctuary. Lord, I pray that only you can convict each of us of what we need to do to be your people again. So Father God, let your conviction fall today. Let it fall in strength and in power. God, make us open. Lord, right now, Father, right now, touch every heart, and I'm asking, Lord, as we are here with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, if there's anyone here today that needs to know you as Lord and Savior, Father, maybe they've been religious their whole life, maybe they have believed in their head, but they have never come to the wall and been broken down, and they have never seen themselves in the light of the cross, and God, they need to get straight with you today, they need to get saved today. Father God, there's anyone like that here today, Father, I pray you would just lift their hand, you would just lift their hand into the sky, that we would know that we need to pray for them to receive you as Lord and Savior. And Father God, there's anybody here right now who needs to confess, Lord, to you, not to us, to confess to you that they have grown tired in the work and they have grown weary and, and they have not answered the call to the wall, Lord God, right now, may we be confessing those sins privately to you. May we quietly be speaking to you those words that we, we have not been all we should be that we've not been in Jerusalem, we've been dreaming about the ends of the earth, but we've never started right here. And Father, we know that until we begin in Jerusalem, we're never going to go to the ends of the earth and be effective, because the work is right here beside our house and in front of our house. Now, Lord, as we go forward in this service, use the remaining time, use the music, Lord, to bring conviction to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to hear from the worship team just one more time. Let this be your closing meditation and your closing prayer. been a good day for you church been a good day for me because i know that god is good all the time amen a long time ago a man said god is good and who said all the time all the time and all the time god is good, god is good. amen all right let's go ahead and pray for our food today i want you to consider what can i do starting tomorrow morning what can i do that will rebuild the walls of my home my marriage begin with those meditations every day. Give yourself to just 15 minutes with the Lord.